Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk, a traditional Wiccan podcast where we will discuss topics affecting the Pagan community from a traditionalist perspective. The topics we discuss are picked from our magical hat and the discussions are unscripted. The talks will be led by Lady Keegan, second degree priestess. She's joined by Lord Chase Knight Smith, elder and high priest of third degree. Pagan Coffee Talk is brought to you by Life Temple and Seminary. Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk. I'm Keegan, and as always, Lord Knight. So today we're talking about pagan family values. What are they? What are they good for? What you may you mean we actually are going to uh, state that you know pagans actually have values. values. <laughs> oh. That's a little bit different from ethics and morals, right? Right. I was going to say, don't even mention ethics and morals. Values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you still have that taped to the bottom of the hat, so you never have to pull it out. You never have to pull that one out. (laughs) It's an 84-year-long training session of ethics and morals. Never ends. Well, let's think about this. Because really what we're talking about is how a pagan family functions, Correct. Or someone who follows yeah. more like our tradition, all right? Which everybody still gets confused out there and want to call us Wiccans when we're not. Mm, but No, we're not. No. <laughs> we're not. Mm. <laughs> no. no. But well, let's start with this, okay? Let's start with the example of your family. So if okay. I get too personal here, stop me. Generally speaking, there's you, your husband, and your kids. Generally. <laughs> Generally. All right. That's your family. Generally, yeah. Okay. Okay. And the point here is is that families work on more of a socialist type function. Of course. Over anything else. And because if you look at it this way, the parents actually own the means of production. Even the babies. We produce those, too. Yeah, y'all produce those, too. (laughs) You give them food, you feed them. This, in our tradition, is more matriarchal, and Mm -hmm. the women tend to run the family. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because Nana don't let any of her kids go starve. Right. There's that mindset right there. Typically, women are nurturers, yes. Right. Your kids grow up, and you're going to want to try to convince them, A, to marry some nice, traditional witch girl. (laughs) Or guy. Person. Whatever. Whatever. Yes. Yes. They they must be traditional. (laughs) All right. I mean, and and again, this is, you know, most moms I know in your type of condition uh, that are sitting there going, okay, well, situation. (laughs) All right. And it's kind of like, yeah, I love my kids, but, you know, I want them to be independent and often think for themselves. All right. So, again, like I said, you know, you, just like most moms, are going to want them to date a nice traditional person and have kids. And raise them. And raise them. Right. This is not something I don't think you're going to argue with. A a pagan mom's going to argue with her kids. Right. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. 
Yeah, that there is no argument here. <laughs> it's interesting. The way that I do it with my children, I had Christianity forced on my throat. I think you did too. We're in the South, so I think a lot yeah. of people have Christianity forced on their throat. And I'm not going to do that with my kids. I'm not going to force my religion on them. However, they do have certain things that I slip it in. You know, the Celtic history, um, hunting, you know, this is what boys do, and, you know, learning how to cook and different things. That, you know, I kind of slip in pagan values, and I don't think they know that that's exactly what I'm doing. But I think it's yeah. important to set those down. Because, again, foundation your goal – yeah, because your goal is eventually to get them educated enough and successful enough to where they can buy the property on either side of your house. Um, yes. All right. I have a little because village out here. This is still the concept that we're talking about, that their kids will do the same thing and their kids will do the same thing. This is how these families – how in the world do you wind up with these families like the um, – the the all families or the or the train families or the banking the Rockefellers right and there's yeah. a reason why we refer to them as families because this, these are family owned businesses and stuff like mm -hmm. that where the family has pulled all the resources together to make either a successful farm or a successful business. Because, again, here's probably how this is going to go in my head, the way I'm looking at it. You tell me if I'm wrong, is you know, when your kids get married, you're going to be looking at their spouses going, okay, which one of y'all going to take my place? You know, I need to make sure that this woman that y'all are married and bringing into my family is going to hold up my values and keep the Absolutely. family moving the way I want. Or man. Right. You know, again. As long as he's pagan, I don't care what <laughs> We, we, the idea is is that this is the homestead and everybody's going to buy around them and we're going to keep on funneling to make sure that, you know, your 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 cousin Oliver. Cousin Oliver. Cousin Oliver gets to go to college and get an education and learn a field that he can bring back Boy, to the family. I think a lot of people – you raise your children, they're 18, they leave the house, get a job, go to college, whatever. Um, and I think that comes from, and you're not going to like it, but I think it comes from the capitalistic society that we live in. Well, you train it, it, them to get out there, make that money, make well, that money, it, it, make that money. You're not completely wrong here. But the point here is, is that if you're studying to be a doctor and the only place you can be a doctor is to move out to California, that don't make no sense. Right. Are you with mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you get pulled away from these jobs to other states because there's nothing in your area. But a doctor. You know, hey, but, you know, you've been a doctor. Hey, yeah, we want you to go learn to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever. And then we want you to come back here and live among the family because you're going to be doctoring the family for free. Of course. Anybody outside the family, you're going to be charging them. What is it you say? What is the thing? The first family, then clan, then tribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, again, you know, this is another one of our little ethic points. This is how we take care of things. First, we take care of our family. Then we can take care of our clan, which in nowadays could be our coven or religious group, right? Mm -hmm. And our tribe is nothing more than our country. And so they'll pay taxes. You know? 
I mean, everybody's got to pay taxes somewhere. I mean, I don't know too many countries you can go to and not have to pay taxes of some type. I don't like the idea of you're 18, get out. At 18, what do you know? You know nothing. Well, no, well, no at 18, yeah, I could see you sitting there going, okay, you're going to get out. No, you're going to get out and go to this house over here. <laughs> On my land. <laughs> you know. Me and your father are going to help you purchase this land. You're going to get an education and you're going to, you know, get a job and contribute mm. to the family. Absolutely. Now, don't get it wrong. I'm not going to molly call them. Okay, you can stay here and do nothing and I'll feed you until you're 50. No. no. You're going to work. You're going to have some training, some education, whatever that is that right. they choose they want to do. But as far as, you know, okay, get out there and and – set down roots somewhere else. No, no, their roots are here. This is where their roots are. Right. And I want but, them to raise their family here and their family and so on. But again, you want to encourage them to where in the world they can find jobs or do things there. Not, you don't want to encourage them to be a doctor or a rocket scientist and have to move all the way to somewhere wherever, you know, NASA or Elon Musk is building a new rocket. Um, no, I don't want that. But it's really hard for them to say, this is my dream. This is something I want. Right. And kind of and, be like, and, well, uh, we got to learn a balance. We're going to have to learn a balance there. Um, but the family first. Time. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't do Family first, right? Like, uh, God, how many old people do we know that are in nursing homes and stuff? They get old and we chuck them off to the side. I am of the belief you take that that old granny. And mm -hmm. you put them up in your house, and you take care right. of them the way they took and care of you when you were when you were little. Right. And they have wisdom, even if they have dementia, like mine did. There was little gems of wisdom hidden. In there. <laughs> <laughs> you had to dig deep, but it was there. You had to dig deep, you but know. And, 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 and even without that, but having that older person there to sit watch kids, or what you know, hit one in the head every once in a while, wham, or to sit there and educate, you know. Because I'm sure wisdom. you're going right. Because again, I'm I'm sure you're going to look at your kids and go, "Oh no, they're not going to go to school. I will homeschool your children. My grandkids, my grandbabies are not going to go into that mess. Absolutely not. I will teach them. Right. It's my and responsibility. Which, it's a parent's responsibility to instill an education into your children. Right. But we're talking about your grandkids now. Your grandkids, great grandkids. Right. Until I'm dead. You're going to be looking at your kids, going, "No." That ain't going to work. <laughs> and hopefully I instill those values in them so it's not a conversation we even have to have. It's just known. Well, of course, she's going to, you know, homeschool her, not children. Right. With the hope there that, you know, one of them might either be, you know, a vet or something to where you can keep animals on site. Husbandry, animal uh, husbandry, yeah. Yeah, you know, to where you can raise some pigs or some chickens and stuff like that and actually start making your own food. Anything but goats. You know, because again, once you're starting to make your own food, what are they going to do? Starve you out? You can make your own food. A and I'm sorry. Right. I mean, because we hear these things and stuff like that. It takes a village. It takes a village. You got to make a village first. Yeah, you got to have one. You know, the way I'm looking at it, this is how these Celtic places started. Let's go back to the real basics. It started out with one family that just slightly grew. Mm -hmm. 
and slightly grew more and grew more to, to, you know, to where they were now helping each other out. Families need to do that again. Oh, is, gosh, I agree. There is no reason why anybody should be, especially in a family and stuff like that, should be sitting around worried about food. When Absolutely your grand, not. because I, I'm sorry, my grandparents ran a, a little farm. My grandpa worked. Grandma stayed at home. They they had a quite a big farm, and there was enough food coming out of that farm on, you know, tomatoes and cucumbers and stuff like that. I don't ever remember my mom buying vegetables growing up during the summer. I was going to say only in the winter you got to hunt those tomatoes down. Right. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was only like during the winter. I mean, they produced enough. And on my mom's side of the family, they had like four kids. And nobody was going hungry. <laughs> something, something has happened. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. You had my generation, which we were forced to learn how to work on farms and stuff like that. And then I see my, like my nieces and nephews. They weren't taught the same way we were. So what happened? Why not? I, I don't know. It was kind of like, you know, my mom and dad just like threw their hands up like, never mind. We're not doing this anymore. Well, in the pagan world, do you think? Well, I think in the pagan world that the monarch or the the lady of these families mm-hmm. has enough authority to pull them around and go, uh, no. In front, in front of everybody going, no, that ain't what you're going to do. No, you and know. you got something there. Right. My, my grandmother. Right. You know, was the monarch. Right. It would have been different for my mom to look at me as a teenager and go, no, you're going to live in the basement. Yeah, we realize you're gay, whatever. Ignoring that. But if they would have ignored that, yeah, it could have been, hey, you're young, you're strong here. You're going to go out here and work the fields. The rest of the family is going to work. You don't have to worry about feeding yourself, power, nothing else. Right. But we want you to do this and learn this instead. Right. Because it will help the family in the long run. And your children and their children. And, and so their children. And, yeah. and you're going to have to teach the grandkids and so forth and so on. Yeah. I, we got to bring those types of values back where, you know, when we talk about families living somewhere, we're talking about multiple generations, mm-hmm. not just three, but four or five. Mm-hmm. To where you got great grandparents running around, not really saying anything, you know, or too old to actually do anything, and they just kind of like sit around. Well, you know, about my grandmother was the monarch of the family, and we never, no one got married without talking to her, introducing her to the potential spouse when someone was pregnant. Granny was the first one that they would go to and and tell. Um, any bad thing happened, it was all oh, we got to go talk. She was the ringleader, and we were a family of 72. That's oh. children, cousins, great grand. I mean, that's, but we were a family of 72, and she was the glue. She was the well, glue. I mean, you know, I saw this in my grandma doing the same thing, this type of behavior. Yeah, my grandma came from more country roots than most. <laughs> um, Mine, <me> too. <laughs> you know, um, when I'd like talk to her about like, you know, feminism and stuff like that, grandma would just look at me like, well, you know, that's insane. Let's see them try to feed, mm-hmm. you know, five or six people, keep mm-hmm. a family going 
run a farm, you know, run, run, run a garden can and do all this other stuff and then come back and sit there and say, you know, women weren't smart or, you know, the husbands didn't know or treated them like that. That's bullshit. I agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Were there some out there that did it? Yeah, but not all of them. And not all of them. And they knew their value. I think our grandmothers knew their value. They knew what they could do, but they had, or at least mine did, she had an, a, a huge respect for men. When she made a big dinner, the children were fed first and then the men. Right. She had a huge respect for the men. You know, some people see this as subservience, but they don't realize, you know, and I, I guess it might be more of a Southern thing that we're talking about here, but I knew my grandma could halt something in like five seconds flat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An argument, a disagreement, um, somebody didn't, you know, do something like, she, stop it with a look. Mm -hmm. And my grandpa would just be sitting there going, well, I didn't have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's true. And that's definitely absolutely accurate. At least for us, that's how it was. I mean, my mom would do the same thing. It was kind of like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she, you know, and my grandmother was very, she didn't want her kids to leave and her grandbabies. Right. And she wanted everybody to live around. When they started leaving the state, it it upset her a whole lot. I mean, it, it bothered her. Oh, I, I have an uncle. And he is a, um, he builds the buildings, does the blueprints. Architect? Yeah, he's an architect, but for buildings. And he used to have to go out of the, and grandma used to get all upset. When he'd move his family mm-hmm. to Tennessee or whatever. Yeah. And I remember when I finally had to move like to Maryland for a little while to, for a job. And she was like, my mom was all like, I'm glad your grandma's away. She wouldn't live through this. <laughs> you know, there's something about it. It, it bothers them. It they bothers. can't stand it. Why? Not only are you leaving the area, but you're leaving the state. And my granny, I remember her, hearing her say, please don't set roots down. Go out there, find yourself, but come back. Please don't set roots down out there. Well, see, now, now we, when I was growing up, we lived like maybe 10 minutes from grandma's house. Nice. I could walk there. I could really walk there if I wanted to and maybe yeah. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, right? Not too bad. Not too bad. I could walk to their house if I had to uh, as a kid, as a little kid. And we moved from there to where we were more than 20 minutes away. My family did, and we were getting more land and going farther out into the country. But right. my grandma about had hissy fit. But now you're about 20 minutes away. Oh, no, I can't have that. Well, it's unnatural. Can you explain to me why this woman, why would I have children and watch them grow up and find a significant other and then have babies and then leave? It's <laughs> heart-wrenching. Why? How does that make sense? Why would this happen? I don't know. I mean, like I said, you know, all I can tell you is like, you know, my grandma was really happy because one of my aunts lived like right beside of her. She would have been even more happier if, you know, we lived across the street from her and she lived at like the end of a dirt road. <laughs> no, it would be fantastic. And then she wouldn't have to worry if, if she had failing health or right. she needed help. She's, it's right there. We're all family. We're right there. 
Nobody has right. to worry. Oh, we need a babysitter. No, you don't. Uncle no, no, you you know, Joe's over here. You know, you don't well, yeah. have these I mean, when we were out at grandma's house, you know, out playing, we did anything wrong. Yeah, the neighbors or my aunt or something would call up grandma. What are them kids doing? <laughs> wow, you got grandma called. The aunt would whoop me. I mean, anybody would grab you up and just tan your butt and send you on your tan way. Your butt. Uh-huh. I can't I'm tell calling you your grandma, time, too. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I was jerked back into my grandma's house by, you know, a relative or a mm-hmm. neighbor that we knew real well and be like standing there going, your grandkid did this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know who you are. I know who you are. You know, they were down at the creek and they come mm-hmm. back covered in, you know, clay. <laughs> that gray clay. Going down to the creek. Going down to the creek, getting covered yep. in gray clay, and it's in your hair. <laughs> I was to take multiple baths. Oh, God. No, no, no. That was in the backyard with the hose. <laughs> right. You ain't coming in my house. I just want my You ain't coming in my hand. You just, I just <laughs> want my floors, and you're beginning to spray down with the hose. Stop! It's cold! Well, you should have thought about that before you went down there and got in the creek. Got covered in my... And my grandma did those things. Okay. <laughs> now... It's like grandma, grandparents have such a small, from what I've seen, not everybody, but from what I've seen, they have such a small, tiny role. It's like we see them on Thanksgiving and Christmas. It didn't used to be that way. But no, now, now you're getting a lot of these old, older people, you know, that, that quote unquote, the boomers, my parents' generation, your parents' mm-hmm. generation, who are like, well, you know, we stayed at home and we've saved up all this money. Now we want to travel and go do. What is that? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because we didn't get to do it. Because again, they didn't get to do it as kids. They had to go to work and do all this stuff. Well, sometimes, and I believe this is a movement of selfishness, sometimes you have to go, what's best for my family, not myself? And I think yeah. people forget how to do that. It's me, self care, and, and my but, time, and this. And it's like, yeah. no, think I mean, outside well, yourself. Well, think about it this way. We're, we're teetering between two philosophies here. One philosophy is that of the individual. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. To where in the world you get to make choices for yourself. Right. On what you want to do and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. All right? Versus the concept of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of uh, the need of the one. Yeah. Vulcan. You can't go wrong with Vulcan right? philosophy. And everybody thinks either you have to pick one philosophy or the other. Well, actually, both philosophies are true. Yes, they are. Sometimes when you're in this situation, yes, family members will have to come up to the mom and go, hey, for me to get this and to get this money for us to do this, I'm going to have to move to a different state. Okay, but how about this, Lord Knight? You've got a situation and somebody goes, yeah, I just don't like this country town and I just need some different scenery. Scenery, right. That's selfish. No, you can suffer with the rest of us and you can be here and help your family. Yeah, I mean, I don't get to be the cool kid on the block and, you know, that you see on TV. I would like to think that on my deathbed, I'm not saying wish I would have left my family. Gee, I wish I should have traveled. I hope I'm saying I'm so glad I was surrounded by all my family my entire life. My entire life. You know, the fact is I never walked out outside in the middle of the night and worried about anything because everybody around me was family. 
they're not going to do anything to me. This is, I mean, and I, it's, maybe it's a fantasy world for most pagans, but I believe uh, a lot of us feel, yeah, get get you a village with your pagan family that go on. Why not? Have a temple, go there, have a place to worship, have everybody well, take care of it, you know. You know, open to your eyes of what you can do for others. What? Don't get crazy. <laughs> family, you talking about doing for others. <laughs> well, I mean, but I hate to be this way. I mean, there's a lot of us in the priesthood. All right? And, of course, I use the priesthood very broadly. Uh, very umbrella. In the priesthood, we give up a lot. Mm-hmm. To know what in the world we do, and I've spent multiple years. Multiple? Anyone give it? I have. I'm not even going to give it. I have spent <laughs> years sitting here talking to people, counseling to people, thinking up things, and trying to reflush out certain concepts mm-hmm. and possibilities, looking into the past and the Celtic history and. And I'm sorry I put all the all this effort in, but yet I see other people just not even doing that much. Whatever little book's on the shelf right now, hey, that's good. Well, that's because it's just about them. You know? Not craft itself. It's just about them. And you tell us the first thing, what's the most important thing? Preserve craft. Yeah. These people that you're talking about, it's not preserving craft. It's about their self-improvement their mental health, their well-being. It has nothing to do with craft or preserving it or others or anything like that. Well, again, you know, I'll sit here and I'll say, okay, yes, we, when it comes to religion or spirituality or religion, uh, you need to be a little bit selfish. You need to be a lot selfish. (laughs) You need to be a lot selfish because the better you are spiritually, the rest of the stuff falls in. You don't have to use magic that much. I hate to be this way. I know a lot of people might not like that, but Get the hell over it. <laughs> Tough noogies. Tough noogies. All your problems are caused by you. Mm-hmm. All family problems are caused by the family. Oh, family problems are caused by that crazy uncle that lives in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but again, you're not going to sit there and try to think that it's something else. Right. We take care of ourselves. We accept responsibilities of our actions in a family. And I'm sorry, when you got these values going on in a family, I don't think you got too many problems. No, when everybody has those same values. You know, when your kids are looking at you going, yeah, I broke the window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now you're going to have to clean up the glass and you're going to have to learn how to fix the broke window. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to physically do it. We know you can't pay for it, but you're going to physically learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, when you're dealing with a, what, five-year-old? <laughs> Especially that might, be a, mm. that might be a little bit different, but. <laughs> but it won't lie about it. That's the cool thing. I'm like, did you do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You going to clean it up? No. See you nope. later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> And you don't want them to help because, you know, all I can say, I, I know I've, I've met your kid, I've met your, I met your five-year-old, and I'm like, no, I would not want him around glass. He will cut me. Yes. <laughs> Dangerous. Just get out of here and let me do it. I'll do it myself. Just let me do it. Here. I'll do it myself. <laughs> but he's fine. He don't count. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> They're crazy. They're crazy little people. Now, your oldest, on the other hand, yeah, no problem. Mm. 
I'd have, have to tell them 12 times, hey, don't put your knees on the floor, don't put your knees on the floor, don't put your knees on the floor. If I tell you not to put your knees on the floor one right. more time, I'm smacking you in the back of the head. Three strikes and you're out in this house. <sighs> now, he's pretty and cool. I, he said um, he was upset because there's an area on the highway that he used to call the jungle. And it was just a bunch of, um, what is that, weed? Underbrush. No, no, no. It's a specific type. No, 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 no. It's a specific type of weed. It's like a vine. It's not native here. I think it's illegal to plant it. Oh, uh, kutsu. Yeah, kutsu. So it was a bunch of kutsu, and he called it the jungle, and he loved this part of the highway. They cut it down. They're going to make a parking lot there or a building or whatever they're doing, but they cut it down their pavement, and he was so upset. And he said, why would you take nature away for parking lots? This doesn't make any sense. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm upset. And I said, what are you going to do? You're going to sit here and talk to me about it? And he was like, no, I'm going to plant trees. I'm going to get a bunch of trees and pine cones, and I'm going to plant them. I'm going to sneak over there. I'm going to plant them back. And I said, here's the good thing to that. He knew that he's going to have to get off his butt and do something. He's not just going to sit there and complain that he's unhappy about it. He's going to do something. He's going to do something. Go out, volunteer, do something. Looking at them and going, yeah, but you know what they what they put down is a very evasive plan and shouldn't be here. I love Katsu. Oh, I know is, I'm in the minority, but I love it. <laughs> I was well, I mean, it everywhere. It, it, you know, until you're the one having to like, you know, get it out of your backyard. <laughs> out of your backyard, you know. I want this plant to cover up my house. The thing grows three feet a day. I love it. All right. This means it, I don't it, no, the hate. it means it could come it because it's actually because it's so evasive and it takes over so much, all these trees and stuff that it covers, it kills off. It literally chokes everything out underneath it. Well, that seems like a tree's personal problem to me. Get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it should it, no, it shouldn't have been here. No, it's not native. No, you're right. It is not native. You know, and but apparently it, it grows too fast to be nutritious for animals to eat. <laughs> and, you know, the goat will need it. Yeah. But I like it. I like looking over the whole house. Wait, no, I live here. I love it. My son, he's going he's gonna to plant. We have pine, 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 pine. And so he's, he's going to plant pine trees, make his little forest back. I was like, worst case, get you some ivy. Ivy's just yeah. a yeah, what do, are you trying to tell me? I need to send uh, get up some oak, some uh, oh, acorns up and, and send up there. <laughs> yes, so yeah, I can plant yes. some oak trees. He was, right. that, that's so awesome. He was like, Yeah, I'm going to do this. So I'm like, See, he was not going to sit here and complain to me. He knows he has to get off his butt and do it, do mm-hmm. something about it. And I think that's another pagan value that we have. We see a problem, and we're like, we have to fix this somehow. What can we do to fix this somehow? We have to do something. All right. Well, I think I'm out of coffee, and you? Uh, yes, I am. All right. I guess, I guess we'll see everybody next week. Okay. Thank you for listening to Pagan Coffee Talk. I hope you join us next week. 
We travel down this trodden path, a maze of stone and mire. Just hold my hand as we pass by a sea of blazing pyres. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks. 